What is up, homies? It has been quite a while since my last pod, um, but I'm going to explain that to you a little bit here. This is the first one of 2023. Uh, I'm making it a solo pod, which is always super hard for me, but the name of the show is Geek Talk. And in case you're not familiar with it, the whole purpose of starting this was for me to learn to use my voice and speak because that's been a challenge for me for various reasons. You can listen to old pods if you need the backstory, but here I am. Um, Every once in a while, I I put 10 minutes on the clock and challenge myself just to use words and express myself that way. Uh, But the good thing about this particular solo pod is that I don't feel the need to do that. I've had to get really, really stoned in the past to even make it through 10 minutes and they've been pretty incoherent, especially if you listen back to like, I think the very first one that's only on Spotify at this point um, is just insane. I'm sure I'm never going back to listen to it, but if you're brave, you can do that. Um, And I'm going to try to stop saying um so much, but bear with me. (laughs) I have set a goal to make at least one Geek Talk pod every month this year. So there's going to be at least 12. Last year I failed that, but honestly it's because there was so much going on that I just couldn't make myself do it. Um, It was just, it was a big growth year for me last year and there was a lot going on, a lot of personal challenges, um, professionally, actual personal ones. Uh, I just, it's hard to get out here and, and, put yourself out there for these solo pods that are more like, you know, real and just, just bare, raw, I guess, if you will. And just putting yourself out there for people to, to hear. I wasn't uh, emotionally up for that because everything I was going through was taking so much out of me that I just, I didn't have it in me too. And a couple of times I tried to recruit my friends. Like I think the last one I did last year was a really, really stoned one with Andras from, Nightmare on Elm Street 4. And those are fun, but it also takes a lot out of me to bug my friends or bug people that I want to interview and say, hey, come do this pod with me. Uh, So I didn't really have that in me either. So I kind of just focused on getting through the challenges I was going through. (laughs) And, And if the pod had to be brushed aside a little bit, then so be it. However, here we are pretty much exactly one year from when my journey of last year started. Uh, Last February is when I shot uh, Halloween Ends. And uh, if you listen to a previous pod uh, from last year, I think it's the only one I did with Joe Bob last year, we're talking kind of secretively because I I had signed a non-disclosure agreement saying I couldn't talk about the movie or anything until they said so, I guess. I don't really know when it was supposed to end, but I just didn't want to take any chances and whatever. Um... So it's now come out. You guys have seen what was going on. So I can kind of talk more about that experience, which is what shaped a lot of last year and has kind of changed me forever in a way. I don't want to be dramatic because I know if you've seen it, we shot a lot more than than was aired, but like, or what made it to the movie, but that's fine. That shit happens. Like people are like, oh, I'm so sorry that happened. But honestly, I am happy it happened. Like I beat myself up over that one little part they showed. I'd hate to think like what the rest would have been like. So for me, it was kind of like a practice 
thing of being on like an actual set with actual people and not pulling my usual MO of just freaking and bailing. So I'm not going to re-listen to, to that pod with Joe Bob and I can pretty much know because of how I was feeling that I've had severe imposter syndrome. Um, I just, it, when we filmed it, it was like, they still had COVID rules. So it was so much isolation and so much downtime because everybody had to be isolated while they were shooting. Like they tried to keep people separate as much as they could. They were really nice to me and I got to be on set more than I probably should have. I don't know if I should say that, but I was really appreciative of that because that that helped a lot. But there was a lot of downtime too where I was just in my room and just just convincing myself like I can't do this. I shouldn't be here. Like I just beating myself up figuratively and literally. Like I talked about how I would purposely, like I had this very old bad habit of just like literally causing physical damage to me to myself as a way of getting out of doing stuff I was scared to. It's like, well, if I look fucked up, if I have bruises everywhere, if I'm fucking whatever, then they can't use me. And it's not my fault that I, 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 I did, I didn't actually bail. It was a way of just, instead of just like, I'm scared to do this, I'm running away. I would force them to, to not use me. Does that make sense? So I kind of started doing that again. I, I, I did that for sure. And I called, I literally beat myself up. I gave myself black eyes. Like it was just fucking stupid and dumb. And and I called JB and I was just like, if I can't do this, like literally this is something I've wanted to do my whole life. Like be in a horror movie where like a real horror movie that like this is an iconic. <sighs> okay, I did have a little bit of smoke. <laughs> What's the word I'm looking for? An iconic series, I guess. A franchise, bam franchise, that's the word. Um, if I run away from being in a Halloween franchise, like who even am I? What have I been trying to do like forever? Like I cannot do that, but I also am terrified to go out there and use my words. As I said, like I had to say lines and that's fucking scary to me. Like opening my mouth, making words come out, like that's fucking challenging. And luckily, like everybody apologizes, but no, luckily it got cut way down the talking part. Um, like they gave me a, a, a script that had more in it. it, kept going down, down, down because of like time. Awesome. Cause like, I was terrified. I was like, I don't know how to, to say lines, you know, like in a, in a real like movie setting, like, uh, you know, full moon, I love you, but it's not the same as being on like a real movie set, you know, uh, where it's like so serious and everybody's like, okay, silence. And then all these people who are tired of being at work, not smiling at you, not having a good time are waiting for you to speak your line. And it's like, huh? And so many times I've just frozen and can't make words come out. So gosh, I, I am kind of rambling, huh? Long story short of it is that I made myself do it, even though every bit of this was out of my comfort zone, every bit of it. I couldn't control what I looked like, what I wore, anything, the lighting, any of this shit. I just was so uncomfy, but I told myself if I'm going to do it, like, like I'm here, just fucking do it. You know what I mean? So even my one line, like I fucked up so many times, like, cause like I'm the first one that says something like, ugh, that's so hard to me. And so a couple of times, like my one little, like, can I help you? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I spoiled it right then. My little line of, can I help you? Like I said, it's so weird so many times. Cause like, if there's no context around it, 
like no one else knew what was in the script before. So it's just this one line. So I'm like, oh no, like how do you say it? So like a few times, like just out of nowhere, the southern accent would kind of be like, can I help you? I'm like, what the fuck is that? And like, if I had been more myself then, I could just laughed about it and whatever. But I just felt like they'd been so nice to bring me in at all. And I just, in my head, thought everyone was just like rolling their eyes and like this bitch, like she can't fucking do anything. Like, like maybe even resentful that I'm there because like I didn't deserve it. You know what I mean? Like I just felt horrible and awkward, but I fucking got through it. And um, it did end up being a little bit fun because like when we got to the actual kill part, which um, they always told me like it was, well, they told me a couple of different things, but I never thought it was going to be like, I didn't even think my scene at all would make it to the movie or the actual movie. I thought it was going to be like a special feature thing, probably. The fact that I got in it at all, I was like, okay, that's really nice and cool. Um, my death was like, it's, it is weird that it's not anywhere, but it was fucking fun to film. Like I got all bloody. I got to do this crazy like dance scene with, with like the guy, Michael Myers' stuntman. It wasn't Corey. Although actually his name was Corey, the guy in the suit too. So it was Corey. <laughs> um, and David Gordon Green, he like jumped in and and was like doing the little dance to show us like we were cracking up and laughing. And, and so like that actually, that was a really fun time doing that. Um, oh gosh, I need someone to, to help me focus. Solo pause or not, easy. But um, what was I saying? <laughs> Let me just jump to the point, I guess. Um, so I was going to be totally fine if it got cut because I was like, I fucking, I got through it. Was I great? No. <laughs> Did I feel great about it? No. Could I have handled everything so much better? Fuck yeah, I could have. But I was honestly really proud of myself for just just getting through it and not running away from something that felt uncomfortable for once in my fucking life. Like, like you guys have heard the stories of how like I was like that at the beginning of Last Drive-In and still often am. Not as much as I was before because I actually feel like I, I add something to the show because... I, I feel like people are understanding now it's not just the on-camera stuff that I do. Like there's a lot of behind the scenes shit that I do. So I feel like I, I, I feel like I have a reason to be there. I feel like I have value. Uh, I didn't feel like that there. I'm like, why am I there? I should have been like a real actress. Somebody knows the fuck they're doing. Like I'm, I, anyway, the point is I didn't run away. And, uh, but I beat myself up still. Like I, I tried to like look at the bright side. JV was really nice about it. Um, he's like, you are in it, no matter what, you're part of the Halloween franchise forever now, blah, blah, blah. Be happy about that. And I tried to look at the bright side and I tried to like, uh, it's just, that took a lot out of me last year. Um, I beat myself up for weeks. I also filmed some other things that you guys are seeing that are kind of coming out now, like the barn two, there's a, I can't remember even what the name of it is, but there's another one I went to Savannah for. You'll notice in these that I'm wearing glasses all the time, even though I don't actually wear glasses. I asked them, could I wear glasses? Because I just, I don't know if everyone was like this, but COVID was really a setback for me. Um, as far as like my BDD and hiding, like I used to literally wear a mask to hide from people so they wouldn't see me. Um, and COVID like forced us to do that. Like we had to. And so I got really comfy in that. And when it became that we aren't supposed to wear a mask anymore, it took me a really long time. I don't even know if I'm still completely over it. Like to have your face just completely bare and out there is a very fucking scary thing for me with a BDD 
suffering person, you know? It's like, wow, I just feel so fucking naked and vulnerable with nothing there. So I was like, please let me wear glasses. And they they were really nice. So, and a lot of movies coming out right now, I have glasses. <laughs> uh, goal for this year to be able to walk around and talk to people with nothing covering my face, maybe like an excessive amount of makeup or weird makeup or something, but that's, that's another thing we'll work on later. Right now, not hiding behind glasses. I asked David Gordon Green if I could wear them in the, in the Halloween ends. No, like he had very specific, he wouldn't let me do shit. Like I had to fight for fucking little bit of fake lashes and shit. I'm like, come on. And, and, and like I said, that was during COVID. So we'd have mask on. So I'd be like comfy. And then it's like, okay, take your mask off and talk, but everyone else is covered up still. And I'm like, "Ah, I can't see faces, but I'm like here bare and like vulnerable. And it was scary. So, um, literally on the barn side, I'm going to actually get the barn to, um, director, writer, I think he does everything um, on here at some point to talk about it. But he was so kind because I was like, I was breaking down. Just, I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be judged. It was hard for me to say words. Um, he had body conscious stuff for me to wear, which I should have been okay with. And I thought I was, but when I got there, I just couldn't, like I hated myself. And he was just really nice about that. And and it was nice to have someone to talk to. Cause I, again, I was just going to leave him, but I felt bad. He he um, he put off shooting because of, I can't remember if it was when I got COVID or my kid got COVID, but something happened. So he put off shooting my part for a really long time. And so, and they built this set just for me. It was like Pee Wee's Playhouse looking set if you watch the movie. And I was like, I cannot just bail on him because I'm scared. So I just had to tell him the truth and he was really nice and he talked me through it and we'll go into that in another one. But anyway, the point sort of, of all of this is that I had to, I felt vulnerable, but I kept doing stuff. I don't think there's one thing last year that came up that I ran away from. That That's so much shooting, that's so much talking, that's so much interacting with people and just kind of not letting go of the need to be seen as perfect, if that makes sense. Because no, I don't ever think I'm seen as perfect. You know what I mean? Like I to have everything in place, to have control over everything, I guess. It's like, is this right? Is my hair right? Is this right? Blah, blah, blah. I, in these situations, I don't have that. I don't have that in the last drive let me tell you, but I already had to deal with that. <laughs> but like other things I shoot, it's like, well, if I don't have control and I'm, I'm not comfy, I should just leave because I'd rather not do something than do something that like for ever now I have to feel bad about because I hated how I looked or how I acted or fucking whatever. But going through the Halloween ends trial, I guess, if you will, um, just made me say, fuck it. You know what I mean? Because like, oh God, going to the premiere of that, holy shit. I had to see myself on fucking IMAX screen. Like that is a terrible BDD thing like for a person. Um, but I got through that and instead like a trust that I beat myself up, trust that there's a million things I would do differently that I'm like, oh, why did they do whatever it is what it is though. And I fucking did it. You know what I mean? And that's what matters. And that's what I'm fucking learning about life is that experiences matter. Not, not if you do them perfectly, not if they come out perfectly. And the fact that you do things in our short time of being here and experience every fucking thing you can is what 
fucking matters. And there was a time when I knew that. And it took me a long time to get to that point. Like I had to go through a lot of trials and like porn and shit to get to that point. And then I lost it when I went through that depression period. Again, go back to old pods if you care. Um, And then going straight from that into the last drive-in where it was constant, just dealing with people's opinions and mean tweets and fucking whatever. So I lost myself very much for a long time and I lost the sense of fun. I lost being able to be who I am because all I could see is the negative stuff that people would say and that, and it's always there no matter what. And I'm learning no matter who you are, negative stuff is always there. If you're doing anything that anyone sees in any way, there's going to be, if you want to call them haters, not everyone's a hater. Like it's like, I don't even want to use that word because it's fine. If you don't like me, if you don't, it, it's fucking fine. You know what I mean? Some people are just haters. Some people are trolls and they get off on that. Some people are just like telling their opinions. I don't think we as people are meant to have to hear every fucking person's opinion. And that's kind of what I'm learning because as I was doing social, as I started doing social for um, Last Drive-In, I, I thought it was my mission to find every tweet, every email, every Instagram, every fucking everything I could find to reply to people, to let people know that I cared, that we cared. That if you're watching the show and you're commenting, that we care. But like, I can't do that. Like, like literally mentally and time-wise, it just takes up so much time and it's just, it's not healthy. I've especially like after cons and stuff, I used to have to go, I'd, I'd search every picture so I could like, thank you for being there, blah, blah, blah. Now I just like, I kind of stay off social for a couple of days after an event because I don't want to see all the tags of pictures that we took. Um, oh yeah, let me get to that in a second. But because um, I, I used to pick them apart. I'd be like, I'd be so upset and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I looked at like this, this show. I'm humiliated forever. And I'd fucking beat myself up literally again. And, and just be all the more shy next time. But let me tell you something. After going through the the Halloween ends, no control, whatever, it's all out there for the world to see shit. There were several events that I went with Joe Bob and, and I think we're calming it down a little bit this year, but we were on the road a lot last year with live appearances, cons, et cetera. There were several where I had to go with like no makeup, like shit, like, I can't remember, like, a couple of times makeup artists canceled on me. A couple of times, like, just nothing came. Like, my suitcase was late, whatever. I, I had wet hair sometimes. And, like, yeah, I hid behind glasses again. But still, it's not like you're completely hidden when you have glasses on. So I, and not only did I, I go and let myself be photographed without makeup, with wet hair, but I talked to people and not, because, like, I used to be, feel like I can't. Like, you don't have the right to speak if you don't look the way you're supposed to. You know what I mean? Like that was somehow ingrained in me throughout life. And I found out that that's not true. You know what I mean? Like you're allowed to be happy. You're allowed to talk to people and have fun, even if you don't look the way that people think you are supposed to. And like, I literally, the first couple of of pictures I took with people when I, when I showed up with no makeup and whatever, I wanted, I I did apologize. (laughs) Like, I'm like, I'm sorry. But then I just said, fuck it. Like I'm here. I'm not perfect. You see me as I am. Cool. You know what I mean? Like, I hope that I'm explaining that well, because to me, that was a really, really big deal. Um, 
I didn't want to do it. Like Joe Bob gives me so much fucking guilt. He's like, he flies me out to these places. He's like, I need your help. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't have makeup. Like I'm, it's better for me not to go than to not be glamorous, you know? And he's like, fuck, no, it's not. Get your ass over there. Like sometimes I've been a little late working up the nerves, but I always went, you know? I think there's one, one I missed, but there's some other shit going on that I would have been like way late. So it wasn't just that. Anyway, the point is, all that was going on last year, it was just so, the fact that I got to the point where I can do that is just insane. And I don't know, I guess it's something just accepting yourself. And I'm starting to learn to do that. Um, we have a Valentine's special coming up this next Friday that I I can't even tell you how much anxiety I used to get from like anytime an episode air. I just want to, I crying, throwing up, blah, 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 that, that expression, it was true. Like I would, for like a week or two or more, like before, after, during, just so much, like what are people going to say? Like, am I going to hate it? Because again, I don't have control over these. There's so much that I would do differently, but it's fine. I'm there as a team player. I do what they need me to do um, and hope for the best. Not always getting the best, and that's fine. And I have to hear about it. And and you know what? It wasn't fine before. If you go back and read my blog, which I'm going to do an update on that. Like so much has changed since I I wrote the fake parts, real heart blog, still up on my kinky horror site. Um, I've just come so far since then. To now, I'm at the point again. Which when I first started the last drive-in journey, I didn't think like that. I was just like. I'm scared, but I'm here to support Joe Bob and and his return and whatever I have to do to make that work. I'm going to do my fucking best to be his like cheerleader, his support, whatever. And I think I'm back to that now. And it took, what, only five years <laughs> for me to get over like the vomit, like, ugh, like it's not worth this. Like I can't deal with it to, to now being again, like I'm, I'm just here doing the best I can. And it's about Joe Bob. It's about these fucking movies. It's about bringing people together, celebrating this art that I love that a lot of these movies would be forgotten if we didn't show them, you know? So like, I just, I believe, it's a cause I believe in strongly. And and so that's what gets me through it. So I don't want to say I'm excited about the Valentine's special because I know I'm still going to have to deal with some BDD stuff, but I'm excited for the concept of it and I hope that I did fine. But even if I didn't, um, there's a couple actually fucking getting married on the show. That's amazing. And we're showing two movies that like, I'm sure a lot of people would not even give a chance to. And one of them I love and the other one <laughs> should be seen at least once, I guess. It's it's one of those, but um yeah, the fact that a couple is into getting married to it is just amazing. Like, I love them for that. Anyway, <sighs> did I explain myself well? I hope so. The point of all this is growth. I'm here. I'm not fucking letting shit stop me, and you shouldn't either. People are going to say mean things. You're going to doubt yourself. But ultimately, none of it fucking matters. It's all about your experience. Actually, can I just say, like, the Pamela Anderson documentary is super on my mind right now. And you guys should watch that if you care about Pamela Anderson in any way. Like, it's very interesting. And I related to a lot in it. And I loved that she is known for being just the most glamorous woman in the world. We all loved her. If you're around in the 90s, she was the girl. Like, 
just, I had posters everywhere. I collected her new trading cards. I had calendars. I loved her. Um, I just like, it was, to me, it was unreal that someone, one person could be that beautiful. (laughs) And she's let herself in that documentary. She's now 55, I think. Be on camera, no makeup, very vulnerable, crying, um, older, obviously, but like people shouldn't act like that's a bad thing, but they do. It's like, there's a lot of awful comments about her appearance out there now, but she knew there would be, you know what I mean? She didn't try to try to fit into what people expected of her. She was just herself. And I fucking love that and appreciate that. And I hope more people will start being like that and let women be like that. You know what I mean? Let women be imperfect and get older and not feel ashamed and have to hide because you're fucking not who you were when you were 20. Like, like that's just stupid. And Joe Bob's like a, a, a guide for me in that. Like he, he hears it to an extent, you know, not as much as I think females would. Um, but he gets a lot of, you used to be so handsome kind of thing. And he, he doesn't love that, of course. <laughs> but he keeps putting himself out there and doesn't care because he believes in what he does as well. So it's like, I admire anyone that just keeps putting themselves out there, ignores the chatter, and is just truly who they are. And Joe Bob is 100% who he is. So he's he's a role model for me on that. Anyway... I, I hope that that made sense. I hope it explained kind of what I was going through last year and why um, this year is going to be a little bit different. Um, I think going forward is going to be a little different. I don't, I'm just, I'm not even who I was at the start of last year in a good way, I think. Um, but we'll see. Anyway, let me, as a special little surprise bonus, I'm going to read a big chunk of Susan's part of the Halloween Ends novelization, which again is another thing that they told me um, something a little different than it actually was. The writer is so sweet. Uh, Let me see his name. Paul Brad Logan. Yes, love him. He's so incredibly kind. He came up to me at the premiere and was like, Susan's going to get her own chapter in the novelization because she deserves to be heard or whatever. Susan's story lives. I think he literally says Susan lives or something. Um, so I was excited to read it until I read it. <laughs> and I, I literally wrote home and said, ouch. Because <laughs> her story is not not how I was picturing her, but I will. And it's not, it's not a full chapter, but she, whatever. She gets more than and she did in the movie, which is Fine. Again, I hope when I talk about this, like it's, I'm not complaining. I am grateful to have been brought in and to have been a part of this in any way and to have this opportunity. I feel if I ever get this opportunity again to be in like a real movie (laughs) or even like the little indies where I have to speak more, like I think I'm ready now. Like I've gone through all the stuff I was scared of and I'm still here. You know what I mean? So it's like, bring it. What are you going to do that's going to hurt me more than everything I've been through already? (laughs) So I'm ready. Anywho. Let's let's read Susan's story. If you haven't um, picked up the novelization, it's about a thousand pages. It's really long, and it really goes into the backstory of. Um, I actually, there were so many versions of Halloweenians, but I guess it goes mostly in the backstory of what you saw on on camera. I don't think they. I, I I don't know what I'm allowed to talk about, honestly. So anyway, if you want to know more about all the people that were in this and kind of what they were doing with the movie, then pick up the, the novelization. 
If you're just curious about Susan's backstory, here you go. I think they mention her a little bit more than this, like just some, a couple of things saying like, you know, how she worked with Willie, whatever. But I'm just going to read you the main chunk here. Um, so you can see Susan, who ended up just being labeled the radio receptionist in the credits. But hey, you know what? I got fucking credit for a Halloween movie. That's kind of cool. That's super cool, actually. So yay. Okay, here we go. Susan sat next to an antique gumball machine half full of dull-colored, mostly broken spheres in the two-seat lobby of Yummy House, waiting to pick up Willie's order. Willie was the DJ, in case you forgot. Her phone dinged for the fifth time in seven minutes. Another message from Willie. And hurry up. Susan rolled her eyes and stabbed her phone. Oh, stashed her phone, sorry. <laughs> Six months, Susan whispered to herself. Six months. When Brent, the station manager, hired Susan, he assured her... Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me start that paragraph over again. When Brent, the station manager, hired Susan, he assured her that she would gain the experience necessary to run a station, something Susan had been working for, towards since she started in radio years before. But seven years later, the only thing Susan had learned to do was schedule Willie's acupuncture appointments, deal with the angry callers, and pick up his Chinese takeout from Yummy House. Let me just say here, um, in the what I thought was the final version of what I was doing, I did have Chinese takeout that I was supposed to spill all over, spoilers, <laughs> and I was going to be dealing with angry callers, one of whom they had talked about having the Joe Bob calling in, talking about how, like, you know, the DJ was really offensive, and I was supposed to say something like, um, it's his First Amendment right, or whatever, second, whichever, whichever amendment right. It's his right to freedom of speech. Um, kind of like a play on how people have gotten up in arms about what Joe Bob says, but he has a right to say it, shit. So it was cute, but ended up getting cut. Anyway, continuing on with Susan's story from the, the novelization. Susan decided that she would give it six more months, and if things hadn't changed by then, she'd pack up and set sail for new waters. Do you want any extra hot mustard for the crispy egg rolls? The waiter asked as she handed Susan the order. Susan looked back at the phone and then answered, no, I think we're good. On the way to the station, Susan stopped at her apartment to grab some mid-shift Advil. It had become a routine of hers a couple of months into taking the job. Susan's neighbors had hung a string of paper ghosts above their door, and it gave her a tinge of sad nostalgia as she remembered doing those sorts of arts and crafts as a child, a childhood that now seems so far away. Drama. Hal, Susan's black chihuahua, yipped and jumped on her leg as she came through the door. Just here for a second, Hal. I'm not off work yet, Susan told him as she hurried to her nightstand where she kept her headache medicine. They'd be shrooms or weed in my case, but whatever. Alva works. Many mornings, it was the first thing she put in her body. Susan swallowed the pills dry and noticed that the leaves on the small fern plant sitting on her dresser had browned and wilted. It made her angry that she'd let it go. When she bought it, she'd promised herself that she would take good care of it, and now it looked as bad as she felt. Sorry, my actual animals are trying to get in the way. <laughs> God damn it, she muttered. Hal ran in and licked her ankles. Not you, sweetie, not you, I say to my cat, who is getting in my way right now. That's also in the, in the novel. Sorry, probably confusing, but anyway. Susan took the plant to the bedroom to water it in the sink. 
The phone dinged again, and when she reached for it, Susan lost her grip on the plant. The terracotta planter smashed into bits in the ground and dirt went everywhere. No, Susan yelled. She looked at the mess and then at her phone. Another Willie text. Yo, you left yet? You're killing me. I'm hungrier than I've ever been in my entire life. Susan's gaze moved to her reflection in the mirror. She studied the 41-year-old woman staring back at her. What does that mean? <laughs> anyway, the woman who lived in a cramped one-bedroom apartment with a dog and $278 in her checking account. She couldn't escape the feeling that she hadn't done anything with her life, and now it was halfway over. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> anyway, and then on cue, the light bulb in the bathroom flickered and died. Susan started to cry. How do you start over, she asked as she dabbed the tears away. Fuck. Susan got angry at her tears. She hated to cry. Hal ran in and peed on the, on the mess covering the floor. Thanks, Hal, Susan laughed through her tears. Susan carried Hal out of the bathroom and gave him a kiss goodbye. Willie's inane blather poured out of her car radio. Michael, is that you lurking there in the dark? Watching Willie the kid as he guides... Oh, wait, that's part of his, his speech still. Watching Willie the kid as he guides Haddonfield through another Halloween. Don't think I don't see you, you old boogeyman. And don't think I'm not prepared. You might be a stone-cold killer, but you've not seen that what Willie the Kid is capable of. And you don't want to either. I was trying to sound gangster. Hope that worked. Anyway, Susan spun the dial past Willie's show and stopped on Dolly Parton's 9 to 5. And as she listened to Dolly sing about working and dreaming, Susan made a decision. Fuck six months. I'm quitting tonight. And then there's a little bit about Allison. I'm going to skip over and get to Susan. Again, Susan entered the station and saw Willie's on-air sign lit up. So she sat at her desk and considered what she would say when she told Willie that she had decided to quit. As Susan brainstormed various ideas, mainly to take this job and shove it, oh, mainly the take this job and shove it variety, she grabbed her scissors and started cutting out the same paper ghost she'd seen hanging above the neighbor's door. She could hear Willie through the walls. The hotline is open and we're taking requests. Songs for the resurrection. What's going to draw out the monster? Give us something to scream about. Call her, you're on the air. Susan continued her craft project and fantasized about where'd she go after leaving the station. Anywhere, she kept repeating in her head. Just that thought was enough to bring a smile to her face. Susan heard Willie howling from inside the booth as he played Paul Sheeton, Sheetons? Hmm. Transylvania 65000. The on-air sign went out and Willie yelled, where's that yummy house, Susan? All right, let's do this, Susan told herself as she prepared to tell him sayonara. She grabbed the food and then dropped the container of fortune cookies. That wasn't the script. Susan reached down and picked them up off the floor. Yep, that's what I was supposed to do. Anyway, when she stood back up, she found Corey in the Myers mask standing before her. Um, can I help you? Yay, iconic line. <laughs> Susan looked down and saw a bloody wrecking bar in his hand. Please don't, Susan quietly begged. He stepped toward her. She had little time to scream. I think that's pretty much it. However, when we filmed it, I actually screamed over and over and over and over and over until I pretty much lost my voice. So um, they... I, I would guess that the screaming you heard when I died in it was my actual scream because I did it so much. If they used none of it, that would be really sad. Um, so, yay, my scream made it. I'm a scream queen, sort of. <laughs> so there you have it. And that's um, Susan's backstory. And yeah, there you go. <laughs> I guess that pretty much is all. I'm going to cover my solo pod, first one of the year. 
um, maybe last because, you know, it's not easy, but holy crap, how long have I been doing this? Like, let's just, you know, take in our victories as they come. I've now talked to you for what, probably three hours, it feels like, <laughs> all on my own, only being slightly high. So that's, that's a big, big step for someone who literally could not make words come out of her mouth. So thank you for being here. Thank you for being on my journey. Oh, speaking of... Uh, talking. Uh, I have a side venture. If you want to listen, if you're into wrestling at all, uh, and especially if you aren't, (laughs) I've started a new pod with two of my friends called the awesome pod. And it's kind of, it's all about AEW, which I'm highly passionate about. And it's, uh, basically the concept is introducing the world of AEW wrestling to my friend, Brendan, who is a total newbie. It's, uh, my friend Johnny and I are like the old school wrestling like fans, super fans. Uh, Johnny's kind of the, the the knowledge dude. Not that I'm not knowledgeable, but he's very, you know, what's the word? Like data oriented and can express things well. And I'm just the high passionate one. So it's a good balance there. But we're explaining everything to Brendan, who's a brand new wannabe fan of wrestling. Like he's open to it. So it's just, uh, it's, it's been interesting and we're having fun with it. So if you are into wrestling or just want to hear me babble, <laughs> um, check that out anywhere podcasts are available. So I, I've found that it is easier to speak if you aren't talking about yourself. It's definitely harder to talk about yourself or for me it is anyway. So I have a lot of fun with that. Just check it out. And uh, yeah, there should be at least one other pod coming this month because I need to do my monthly, like one pot a month thing. And I missed January. Cause honestly, this, this one, I kept saying, like, I'm sure people in the Patreon or on Twitter saw me say it's coming out this week. It's coming out this week. But I just, I couldn't make myself sit down and just be this vulnerable, vulnerable. So I've got this out of the way. Now I feel like I can move on. Cause I didn't want to just like chicken out and just do an easy pod or, you know, or none of them are super easy for me, but like one where I'm interviewing someone, especially with Joe Bob, obviously those are the easiest. I, I wanted to make myself get this one out there first. So it's there. Now I can move on. I don't have to be all serious all the time. Next one will be fun. So I'll come up with some fun for you next time. Thanks for being here. Thanks for following my journey. Love you guys. Um, Remember to believe in yourself and don't listen to any negativity that might hold you back. Love you. Bye.